Welcome to the Words That Change Lives podcast, helping leaders, coaches, and small business owners to 10 times the impact of their message. Join us as we delve into the art of powerful language, enabling you to speak with unwavering honesty, communicate authentically, and create a lasting impression with every word. In this episode, I am sharing a TEDx journey with one of my clients who attended my Land and Deliver program, Zoe Cross. Zoe is an international award-winning keynote speaker, published author, and confidence and money mindset business coach for high-achieving women leaders and business owners. So she was born with Mebius syndrome, which is a rare form of facial paralysis, and she battled for years with being bullied, rejected, and underestimated but she is a determined woman full of life, laughter and courage. And with 25 years experience in international industry, she's seen as a true role model for women who are ready to stand up, speak out and claiming their value for their own life and business. And that is very true to my heart. Obviously, that's something that I do in terms of helping people speak up and speak out. And Zoe is a true inspiration. And working with her on Land and Deliver, as you will hear in this program, really was an inspiring journey for me and a learning journey for me, but also for Zoe as well, to be able to share her idea worth spreading on the TEDx stage. And if sharing your idea on the TEDx stage is something that is in your goal list, and you want to take steps to make that happen, that's something that I absolutely love helping my clients with. And I've got a number of ways that I can do that. I have evergreen courses, I have one-to-one, and I do have live programs. So do get in touch if that's something that is important to you. And hopefully listening to Zoe on this episode, you will be inspired to set that goal in motion and stand on the TEDx stage. So that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Enjoy. So Zoe, your TEDx journey. I'd love to know what was the original goal for you? Because obviously I met you at a certain point along the, along the journey, but what was the original goal for you with landing a TEDx gig? Why did you want to do it? Um, well, in all honesty, I, I didn't really have a goal. The TEDx was the goal it was this dream Mm -hmm. um and i know it was inspired by two people uh one of them is the late sean steve dr sean stevenson who was a tedx speaker in a wheelchair with brittle bone disease and the other one was really my role model a lady with facial paralysis and i saw her on the stage and i there was just this feeling i want to do that I hear you. Right. Well, that's that's brilliant because I think, you know, my inspiration originally came from seeing it was uh, schools uh, killing creativity, that Ken Robinson talk. Uh, I also saw one from Monica Lewinsky. And although, you know, her story is very different, it was, I think for you that I can see those connections, those those real connections for you. And so it's it's inspirational, right? It's they're doing that. They're sharing their message. I want to do that too. And that's actually a real pure driver for landing a TEDx gig. A lot of people have different motivators. Um, So it's actually really lovely and refreshing to hear that 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 was the reason behind your goal. I didn't actually know that. And what did or didn't you know about the process before we started our time together, working together? 
<laughs> well, actually, I didn't know there was a process. And um, I think there's this, um, so if, if you're looking for something, um, someone will appear, a teacher will appear to guide you. And um, so, and I, I understood what you were doing and I thought, well, only it, it's so in the future, it's so far away, but Helen seems to know what she's doing and maybe Helen can speed things up a little bit, a little bit for me, maybe. Okay. So, so now that you're out the other side and you've done it, which we'll talk about in a minute, what did you find out about the process of creating an idea worth spreading and finding an event and all of that? What was that like for you? Uh, well, I found it very, um, it was very aligned though. I mean, it wasn't the sort of, oh, I need to do this. I need to push, push, push and bounce at people. It was so beautiful. I think the process that you showed me, it felt so natural and you talk about giving value and promoting people because the people who organize TEDx um, events are givers. Mm-hmm. And so you're giving to them, you're helping them. And it's just uh, it's a message because they often have these topics for events. And if that somehow aligns with what you want to say, it's just a fun process and you can see how can I possibly contribute to what they're doing. Mm, yeah. And when we started working together, it was in Land and Deliver we started to we started working together. And one significant part of that program is is formulating the idea worth spreading. And I'm trying to remember how 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 that came into play for you. Your idea worth spreading about smiling on the inside. Was that already formed? Um, I don't think so. Mm. I I must say because I didn't have this super goal. I just wanted to. I wanted to be on stage. I love being on stage. Um, and actually, I was recovering from a fairly major foot operation, so I had time. And I think it was just listening to what to your teachings inside the course and think what is uniquely something that I could give other people. And I think it was in collaboration that we came up with this idea. Mm. I think that's that's a really great point because a lot of the people I speak to, they struggle with formulating the idea. They don't know how to create something that is aligned with their story or their expertise or their experiences in Ooh. the world and with an idea worth spreading. And they find it difficult to connect those two things and to articulate succinctly what that message is. And I think from what I remember, it was something that kind of organically organically evolved with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, there was, um, and we'll talk about your story in a minute, which forms a big part of the idea worth spreading and a big part of the talk. But I think that it, it emerged through those discussions of your story and and what you have to say to to everybody in society, um, as well as groups of people <laughs> in society, about what that actually means. So I think probably it's a good time to talk about 
the idea worth spreading. <laughs> and the title of your talk, which you're able to share the title of your talk. Um, I think in the end, um, I, it became, once I had the TEDx talk, I think we started with how to smile without actually smiling. That was um, it. And then, this was very last minute, so I had the, te- I was, I was preparing for the TEDx talk once I'd won the the uh, competition, um, and I think the the title I then used was uh, "Overcoming Rejection by Smiling with Your Heart." That was it. That was it. Yes. Um, so the the core message that we worked together on was how to to smile without smiling. And then that evolved into overcoming rejection, how to smile with your heart. That's a really good example, right, of how that that idea evolved. So let's let's hear. I, I, I'd love people to go and watch your talk and they can go and see it on YouTube and we will uh, put the link in the show notes so that people can watch it. And I highly recommend every single person that listens to this podcast to watch that talk because it's incredibly moving, incredibly inspiring. But if you could just give us a little snapshot of why you came to this, have this core message and to deliver this particular talk with this particular title. Um, how to put that succinctly, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I was born with uh, facial paralysis, uh, a rare form of facial paralysis, medius syndrome. And um, there was an event um, when I was about nine years old. So of course I had bullying, I had name calling, you know that I had it. And however, when I was about nine, I was in, um, I was doing, doing a bit of a dance formation and I decided, I thought I was being very clever and I hid. I thought everyone else was there with their uniforms, lovely hair. And I thought, yeah, I don't fit in here. And so I went and hid and didn't take part in the performance. And my parents were really good. They said, um, they, they didn't tell the skull, they, they said, oh, we missed you. And that was all they really said. Um, and then they moved countries. I had to learn a new language, uh, a few weeks later in Italy. And uh, two years later, um, I was at the theatre, local theatre of my mother. And Maybe there was this absorption. I think I realized just because I look different, that is not an excuse to, to hide away. And it's not an excuse to let yourself be hidden away by other people. And maybe I absorbed that because two years later, I, I was watching this play. And again, as I was saying earlier about the TEDx speech, there was this instant when I knew I want to be on that theatre stage. I just need to be there. And um, that somehow evolved over the years. So I was now doing industry for over 25 years. And there's been occasions where I've realised that people have underestimated me or I've let myself be put away, put in the back corner, uh, back office. And today, um, I want to show women, especially around the world, that it's up to them and well, to give them the courage and the permission 
to go out, to stand up, to speak up for what they believe in and to be visible to what they, for what they believe in. I'm feeling emotional hearing that. And I think when you say you absorb this, this message that about hiding, about not hiding yourself, not letting others make you hide. I think for many people in many different ways, in many different situations and for many different reasons, they can resonate with that, you know, for whatever the reason is Boo. to feel like you need to hide and to feel like others are making you hide, but you have a choice to do that. And you are a fantastic example of choosing not to let other people affect your behavior and also standing in your own truth, mm. as it were, and standing up and speaking up and showing um, women, yeah, yeah, in particular, but all sorts mm. of people that you can change that. It's a mindset, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a mindset. So let's talk about this smiling with your heart, right? Because I know what that means. I've, I've worked with you on this and I understand what that means and I know what's in the talk. You could just give us a few threads. Born from your experiences, what do you actually mean by smiling with your heart? Mm. Um, well, one of the things is, I mean, again, this is a choice, and I am extremely grateful to my parents that I, there's this thing about the victim, the victim mindset and, and growth mindset. And I, had the amazing fortune for whatever reason to to realize very early on that never mind what I look like, I am lucky. I am lucky um, and I went out into the world. I remember I was about six, seven years old in our neighborhood in Ireland, uh, going around um, just adventuring out. I, I, I thought I was this adventurer and I needed to go out and, and discover new parts of the neighborhood. And, um, and I think that's how I've gone through life. And again, that, that's actually something I've, I um, help people with to, to, to discover their true values and voice. And I now know that I'm, one of my values is this explorer who is curious, very curious. And when something maybe doesn't go right or somebody behaves in a way that I wasn't expecting, um, I think what has helped me and what I then talk about um, is curiosity to get to mm. not be wounded, not be, oh, this is, this is my fate, but to say, why is this happening? Just to be accepting and to ask, why is this happening? What can I learn here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Curiosity, I think, is uh, a fantastic um, mindset shifter. And to have that as a natural skill, it's almost like a, a problem-solving skill, right? Oh, yes. yeah. It's a problem-solving skill, but it's also a creative skill. Mm. Because when you're hit with a challenge or a problem, rather than being blocked by that challenge or problem, you inquire into it and you are curious about ways around mm. it and ways forward. Curiosity also means that you put yourself out into the world, you face out mm -hmm. into the world. And it was through those experiences 
that you met, you traveled, and you learned. You learned and you learned some things through that curiosity. So what, what did you learn on your travels? Um, what actually I learned was, I mean, I love this, this thing about connection. I learned uh, my English right now. Uh, so I got to know so many people. And uh, because I'd spent time in Japan, so this was, I studied Japanese. And um, so Japan was, I wanted something completely different from Europe. And that was a motivation <laughs> uh, to learn about a completely new culture and people. And um, I remember being asked um, by my university loyal tutor, tutor before at interviews, and we don't know how they will react to you. And I remember saying, well, I don't know either, but I've been in various countries before now, and I've always found a way to make friends. And mm -hmm. I remember in particular the, the time I was saying goodbye to my first Tokyo host family. Um, it was highly emotional. We've been together for five, six weeks, and I still have connections with them. Ooh, yeah, 30, 40 years later. <laughs> so, um, and I realized, yeah, there's, there's a way to people's hearts and asking them what they think about things. I mean, we're, we're not always on the same page. We see this, unfortunately, more and more, that if we can regain our curiosity, our acceptance, for other people's differences and to get curious, why, why, what exactly is making you think this way? Because there's probably a good reason. Um, yeah. This is such a way to build bridges. I hear you. And so in that, in traveling to a different culture and connecting with other human beings who have different cultural values, who have different cultural behaviors, you, you found through your curiosity and drive for connection, a way of connecting with someone from a different culture that didn't involve smiling. Yeah. Right? And that was it, right? That was how you found, it was almost like a, a superpower, really. Absolutely. Um, they hit because this smile, um, as I think I saw in the, the top, um, it's a non, completely non-verbal Communicate methods of communication, um, which, yes, at times I realize I'm missing in certain discussions. So I had to uh, find other ways of making myself heard or uh, putting a point across. But um, uh, yeah, it's um, that and smiling, smiling with your voice, smiling with your heart, reaching mm. out. Um, there mm. are so many ways that we can get creative when when we cannot smile. And I mean, mm. with the mask, you know, some COVID. Yes, yes. And this podcast is called Words That Change Lives. And so, you know, what we say and how we connect through our words, not just our facial expressions, not just our body language, what we say is so powerful. And you, you know, again, you demonstrate that in terms of, how we can smile metaphorically mm. from the heart and connect with people anywhere and not let 
any type of perceived setback or cultural difference or physical difference or visual mm. difference get in our way. This is always going to be something whenever I talk about it, it's just because I've watched your TEDx talk quite a few times. And I always feel so moved when I watch it. And I watched it again recently. But I know a lot of people that are listening to this and a lot of people that I speak to. One of the things is idea worth spreading and getting the right idea worth spreading. The second is <gasps> landing the gig. Now, we had our time in the program and then the program ended and you had your talk idea and all of that sort of stuff. What happened after that? Um, so obviously I, on the program we taught about, I taught people how to pitch and how to look for events and the themes and all of that. What happened in terms of actually finding the gig and landing the gig? Um, well, that was very interesting. So that was 2019, 2019 early 2020. And mm. um, for, to explain to the um, to your listeners, um, 2019, I couldn't do anything because I was um, at home with a very damaged foot, <laughs> which needed. So my lockdown started in about October 2019. I never really ended, um, but I had time, and I remember thinking, yes. It's not about mass applications. It's about thinking about one or two ideal locations that you'd like to focus on. And I was thinking, I was thinking of London, somewhere in London. And I, I found Soho and I had connections with Soho. And um, because I thought, well, never am I going to find a speech, uh, a stage in Germany. So let's focus on the UK. And, um, but for some reason, um, I don't remember right now, but I do remember finding out that there was the stage TEDx Frankfurt. And I thought, yeah, okay, well, that's interesting, but they're going to do it in German. I don't want to do my speech in German. So I had this preconception. But right. again, well, being curious, I thought, well, uh, just. Nobody's doing anything right now. Um, nothing's possible right now. But just get in contact with them, just to find out what they're doing. And um, so I, I signed up to a newsletter, I think, um, March, March 2020 or so. And just, you know, nothing's happening, but maybe in a year or two's time. And so I got a good reception, actually, from first reception from uh, TEDx Soho, but I thought, yeah, well, I can't get over there right now. Um, and so I, was, I followed up with Soho, but they weren't doing anything, and I, I was totally relaxed about the whole thing. And um, I did the show with Frankfurt, and in 2021, early uh, January, February 2021, they suddenly had this application process where we were doing a little competition. And I thought, okay, so it was one weekend. It was one weekend. I remember my partner was in the other room, and I spent about a good hour or so. Of course, I'd spent hours before uh, honing the talk, but then I uh, had to record a video uh, for them um, and... So I spent at least one and a half hours recording a five, six-minute video for them. Then I uploaded it 
and forgot about it. And about three or four weeks later, I was on the train, <laughs> as you are, I was on the train on the way to um, a doctor's appointment. Uh, and I saw this email and it was from Dan and I was thinking, yeah, I'm very sorry, great application, sorry, um, yeah, not not doing, but thank you very much for the application. Uh, and then I just continued reading, but they were actually saying, you are one of the three. And I'm thinking, I had to read this email about five times before I could even vaguely get the gist of the fact that I was really <laughs> landed the gig. You were in shock. I, yeah, I was in shock, absolutely. Yeah. And then what happened, because it was an interesting time, I had quite a few clients over that period of time who were delivering talks. And because of, so I was at that time putting together an event, uh, TEDx Mosley, and we were holding off, holding off, holding off till we could actually do it in person. Um, and that meant that we had to cancel it like um, three times because um, because we wanted to do it, have an in-person event. What happened with your with Frankfurt? Um, so with Frankfurt, um, it was a special. It was um, April. It was recorded in April 2021, and that meant so we had a studio. I think they were quite new, as Lisa told mm. us. And so that was right. not maybe rather a good start for them. And so they recorded, so we all got tested. And uh, in fact, it was my first COVID test as I, and because I've been on so much isolation. And uh, yeah, so it was just the uh, technician, the uh, license holder, and me in the studio. And uh, right. like, literally, lights, camera, action. Um, and uh, so that was the first time. But the thing was, um, I thought it was amazing. And then I somehow thought the icing on the cake would be to get on a stage and do it. And again, it was just, yeah, well, dream on. I mean, it was amazing. But um, in um, October 22, yes, it was October 22, very did their first in-person event. And they said, would you like to be um, our surprise guest at the end of the event? I thought, oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were, and you did it in a, to an audience. Yes, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Because there's, of course, you know, having the opportunity to do it and in COVID times, a lot of people were doing various different versions of either completely recorded, you know, online or in an empty studio or, you know, to a, a very small audience. And um, so to be able to to do it first off and then again to an audience, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Excellent. Which one is actually up? Which one is up on YouTube? Um yeah, which one? Which uh, the one that's up is the one on the stage. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. so. I thought so. Yeah, brilliant. So, how did it feel when you actually stood there and you stood in front of an audience and you shared your idea worth spreading? Um, let's say I love being on stage, and the TEDx certainly new levels of nervousness uh that was next level <laughs> nervousness um yeah. yeah but um i mean one of my tricks is always 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 to get on that stage 
in advance to see and to feel what it's like to be on the stage. Where is everything going to be? That helps enormously. And and I would have asked them, but I didn't need to because they wanted us to come on stage before everyone came and and just um, get things right. I had this heart as a trot, so I needed to know where that was going. Um, Yeah. But uh, but once I was up there um, and I could hear laughter, so there were times when people were laughing, and that um, that is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's an incredible feeling, isn't it? And so in my experience, so I only had a very short amount of time to prepare. Um, and the first bit of preparation was um, to just go down there, even before I'd written the talk and do a sound check, because it was happening 24 hours later. And doing that actually did really help, because even though I hadn't written the talk yet, standing on the stage, seeing how big it was, feeling the lights and the red dot mm. and the cameras and all of that, I think did definitely help me when then I went away, pulled together a talk and then came back the next day. It really did help because I'd felt out the environment. Um, it's almost like from an evolutionary perspective, you're kind of sounding out your environment um, for safety, right? And to make you feel safer. Wow. Because, yeah, public speaking actually links very much, the fear of public speaking actually very much links to our our evolutionary, our ancestral behavior in wanting to stay Mm. safe. So when we stand on a stage or we're in front of a group of people, we could have been ridiculed or outcast from a tribe or it might not have been our tribe. And so that makes us unsafe. And that's why we get, you know, one of the reasons why we have a fear Mm. of public speaking. So it's a very good tip. So mm. for anybody who's giving a talk, if you can scope out the environment before you yeah. give your talk, it's going to really, really help. Golden bit of advice there. Mm. Do you have any other advice for anyone who thinks, do you know what? I really want to do that. I want to stand on that stage. I've been inspired or I want to share my message or I want to share my story and I want to help others. What advice would you give them? I think I've got two things I'm thinking of at the moment. Um, one is, um, but I think you spoke to this, um, I wanted the TEDx talk. That was my goal. Um, what you can do if you're, because of course you're not allowed, if that's why TEDx is so amazing. It's not about promotion. Um, but um, of course it, you can, think about how your amazing message can link somehow indirectly to whatever you're selling without promoting um that that can be something that can be of help for people um and the other piece of advice is if you want a if you want an accelerator (laughs) <laughs> and I love accelerators. That's that's part of my money blueprint, which I talked about in some of my programs. I love speed. Um, if you are interested in an accelerator, I have to say, work with Helen. Just work with Helen. Aww. Simple, and that's it. She really is amazing. Oh, thank you, Zoe. I appreciate that. 
Um, on your first point, it is a good it is good advice, and I think a lot of people they don't know this in that there is no business prom- promotion whatsoever. TEDx stage is not the stage for business promotion, as well as five other very strict guidelines, which I won't go into now. Mm. I've gone into those in other episodes, but business promotion is not the not the not the one for TEDx. However, if there is an alignment mm. with your story, your expertise, your passion, your mission that is at a societal level and can be turned into an idea worth spreading that has no, no direct promotion, then of course that's going to be in alignment with you and your business and how you want to show up in the world and how you want to help people. And thank you for, for the shout out as well. I really appreciate that. I loved working with you on, on, on what we've done. So what happened since then and what's happening next for you, Zoe? Well, um, in April 2021, um, when the recording came out and I posted it on LinkedIn, um, I, at the time, actually, I was still a dating and relationship coach. Uh, and I wasn't very happy because I'd always had to uh, choose between dating and um, business. And I had had mentors who said, go for the dating. And I think actually with hindsight, that was good. That was still great experience. And then the TEDx talk came out. Uh, my personnel department discovered it and said, ooh, wow, okay. Um, and I said, um, <laughs> would you like to do a speak, uh, kind of um, video with us for as a diversity role model for our careers page? Because I, at oh, the wow. time, think I'd been working with Panasonic, so still a part-time day job, um, for about 22, 23 years. And it was at the time that happened, and about a week later, I said, it's right. Sort of, without too much thinking, that's it. I've had it with um, day coaching. That was great. That had its um, reason. Uh, but I'm going into business coaching. This is where I want to be, and I want to be empowering women in business. So that was the one massive change almost immediately. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. And um, there was one other thing. Well, various things, but one absolute highlight was last year, December. Yeah, we're coming up to a year now, almost. And... Uh, my, my partner heard about a speech contest in Germany. And it was this, the winners were to be speaking um, in, a, in a stage, in a town hall with about with television, radio, and 300 people in the audience. A uh, fairly big town. Um, and um, yeah, so he said, Would you like to apply? I said, Oh, yeah, I'm applying. And because, oh, it was about, it was the day of International Human Rights Day. So I took the TEDx speech, um, modified it um, towards the end slightly with some uh, data, which I had. And um, uh, so, yeah, so I was one of the six winners. Um, yeah. ah! <laughs> wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. 
well, that's just again a really good example. So before before people give a TEDx, just to, to flag, a TEDx idea has to be unique, as in it can't have been delivered anywhere else as a talk before you actually deliver a TEDx talk. However, after you've delivered the TEDx talk, you can adapt that talk into various different things. It could be a corporate keynote um, as part of uh, you know delivering a keynote or workshops and things like that into corporate. It could be an industry event it could be it could be all sorts of things you can then adapt it and change it and tweak it just like you did to fit another type of audience and another type of event so if you using that as a springboard so to speak for for further stuff well that's really great to hear so what's next for you what's what's your what are your plans for 2024 um what's next what oh, i don't know so actually what happened is and um, I've now so this also happened last year was this qualification extra qualification as a certification as a um, money money mindset and business coach because I've done things before I had enough experience to help people but I thought I'd like to refine my question uh modalities mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. is now happening uh, that's getting off the ground um however um that talk that i just told you about um i gave they said i gave that um to a small group of uh people two or three weeks ago um and um as a, there, there wasn't a dry eye in the room it was amazing <gasps> it was so amazing um and um later people uh, they came up to me um, because there were people, lots of people, they were all in corporate, and several people came up to me and said, um, <laughs> yeah, do you do, well, I said, I do corporate speaking, and uh, you can book me. Um, and in fact, I had an application, I had an application for a keynote. That didn't work in September, but the whole process showed me what could be possible and that's where absolutely. i want to be going next year absolutely yeah and it's getting on those stages and doing those things when people in the audience are seeing you and then saying come speak here come speak here as well as putting yourself out there as a speaker and um, applying or putting yourself or reaching out and and sharing your keynote talk and how it can transform a certain audience's lives well i'm really excited for you zoe it's fantastic to hear you know the journey leading up to the tedx and what's happened since and with all my guests, I ask one final question, which is, what words have changed your life? Um, it's the, the, the actually two, there's one, one, somebody, a mentor of mine who said, I see an amazing future for you. Um, and the question that I have been asked and that I like to ask my clients is, what if you could? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that very powerful. What if you could? What would happen then? Uh, a really good mindset flipper yeah. to turn someone around from a victim, from a maybe fixed mindset into thinking, okay, like you said, thinking or dreaming of what could be possible. Mm. And then if we start to feel into that and we start to see what that looks like, then it can become real more so than if we 
we're thinking what couldn't. Bing. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. What do you think, whoever's listening? What do you think about what I've talked to Zoe about today? Is TEDx on your goal list? And what has our conversation inspired you to do? Let us know. You can email hello at helenpackham.com or you can use the hashtag uh, words that change lives on social media. And thank you so much for coming, Zoe. Go check out Zoe's talk and the show notes for how you can get in touch with her. And I will speak to you next time. Thanks for listening to Words That Change Lives. Please rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really means the world and helps me to reach more people so that we can all harness the power of our words and change lives for the better.